0: Welcome to Technology Revolution, The Future of Now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, 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 times 10. Happy to be here. We are live streaming on Facebook on the Tech Rev page. So happy to be here. This is episode number two of our annual Crystal Ball Predictions. We're going to be talking about finance, the office of the CFO, everything to do with financial risk, all kinds of interesting things. I have 10. I'm going to say they're experts, they're specialists, they're thought leaders with me today, but I'm going to open the show with uh, a couple of buzz quotes. You all know I love to have buzz quotes, and I found two very interesting interesting ones from movies. I don't usually do that in the opening. So buzz number one. Here's a quote from Gusteau played by Brad Garrett and Ratatouille, a 2007 computer animated comedy. Here we go. If you focus on what you left behind, you will never see what lies ahead. Okay. So much for the rat speaking. And here's a quote from Keanu Reeves who played Kalatu. Okay. In the day the earth stood still a 2008 sci-fi drama film. Your problem is not technology, the problem is you. You lack the will to change. Oh, Bonnie, how did you find these quotes? It wasn't easy, let me tell you. So to our listeners, if you're hoping to gaze into a crystal ball to see what 2021 holds for your company, come on, we all wish we could. What holds for your company, your industry, your career, the world, your community, your family, what a year 2020 has been. We've got almost the next best thing. Today is December 9th. We're here live, and I have 10 thought leaders with me who are going to help us predict the future of our focus topic this week, finance and the office of the CEO FO. Now the reason we're doing this is because I have invited some very special people who have been panelists on our special radio series Changing the Game with Financial Excellence or Financial Excellence with Game Changers during the calendar year 2020. We've got two of the sponsors here on our panel. Our special will continue next week on December 16th. Yes, edging right up against the holiday. We did the first one last week and we'll continue it in January. We're going to talk about technology, strategies, and trends that will help you, your company, your team, your industry leapfrog ahead of the competition, whatever's left of the competition, I should say, in 2021 and beyond. So settle back, pour a cup of Joe, a cup of Earl. If you've got any early Dom open, you know what I'm talking about pour it and sit back. This is our Crystal Ball Predictions special part two live. So let me go around the table. Let me just quickly tell you who's on the show with me today. We have Birgit Starman's one of the sponsors of our financial excellence series, which by the way, is heading into its 10th season with me next year. We're so thrilled. Birgit is the global head of the office of the CFO, Center of Excellence COE Thought Leadership Strategy and Programs for Finance and Risk at SAP. Birgit, that is the longest title I have ever heard and I used to work at. SAP, and I know. Rob Kugel is here. Rob is Senior VP at Ventana Research. Welcome, Rob. Molly Boyle is here, Director of Solutions Marketing at Blackline. Brian Kalish is here, Principal at Kalish Consulting, and he's an EIR, that's an expert in residence. I like that, at eCapital Advisors. Daniel Satani is here, Data Scientist. Oh, I like that. And Solution Architect at Truqua. Uh, we are sorry Jeff Hattendorf couldn't join us today, co-founder of Macrospect and COO. He's under the weather, but Jeff, we're sending you love and good wishes. JS Eric is here with us, Director of Data Science and Artificial Intelligence for Truqua. We've got quite a representation from Truqua. Haresh Chaya is here, Director of Treasury and Working Capital Solutions at SAP. We've got Larissa Melnichuk. She set up the International fp a Board back in 2013, and she's the founder and CEO. AEO of the fp a Trends Group. We have Kevin McCollum, who is wiggling his finger at us. Kevin is the global VP of SAP GRCS. And we have another sponsor of the series, Pross Chatterjee, who's a frequent guest all year long. Pross is Senior Director of Product Marketing for Planning and Analysis at SAP. What a brain trust we have with us today. Let's get the party started. We're going to be each of you, let's say, three and a half minutes. Not clocking, but you know how to behave. You've been on my shows before. Let's start off with Birgit Starman's. Birgit, one of our sponsors. Birgit, so happy you're here. Birgit, kick this off. What do you predict? Go ahead.
2: All right, I have a couple of predictions, and I think the first prediction is going to be a statement of the obvious. We're not going to be going back to the way things were. And I'm going to multi-source some research, but there have been various studies, and I would say, especially when it comes to finance and risk teams, about three quarters are not going to be going back to work in an office full-time. Now, that could be any kind of combination to continuing to work full-time to just working from home part-time, but I would say nobody's really going to go back to full-time. And the nice thing about that is that we realize we can do it because we've really done some things, you know, whether it's closing the books, whether it's managing remote access to our systems, we've really done things that we didn't think that we could do remotely. And especially with finance in the past, they've been a bit of a laggard in embracing new technology, and they've really been more on the forefront. So we're seeing some of those studies come out with that as well. Um, The second prediction is I hate to revamp the the word usability, but things have to be more consumer-grade usable. Mm -hmm. For us to be able to work from home, uh, I I like to say I do software, not hardware. So, I mean, for me to have to connect hardware out, I usually have to have somebody out. So, if I need Mm -hmm. something done, it needs to be really, really easy to do. And I think the same the same is true of technology. And we're really seeing more of business kind of software um, becoming more usable. And a large part that is due to technology, to having more intelligent technology, looking more at artificial intelligence, looking at machine learning to, to see the way that we work. Not just technology because technology is cool, but because technology is a tool that we're using to make things easier. And the third prediction I have is actually dealing with business models. I think right now, a lot of companies had to reinvent the way that they do things. And for a manufacturer, they're going to continue to manufacture. But in a lot of cases, they had to revamp their manufacturing facilities to produce um, personal protective equipment, PPEs. So they were able to take some of their normal you know, things that they produce and actually revamp their production lines. We're seeing more companies offer services where they might not have offered services before. Previously it's they would sell something, kind of kick it over the fence and say here. But now they're offering services to help you not just install it but ongoing services and as part of that we're seeing more subscription pricing and I'll I'll give you kind of a consumer grade example real quick Mm -hmm. Um, even on Amazon as you order things they now allow you to order things in a subscription and it costs less hey you ordered this now order it again in a month oh no we'll do that for you and you'll save money so you'll have something constantly being sent to your home And I would say there are a lot of services that are out there now instead of just initial services, really ongoing maintenance services. Um, So we're going to see a lot of new business models that I think we're going to maintain going into the future as well. So those are my top three predictions, Bonnie. Thank you, Birgit. And I will tell you that Alexa
1: now gives me a verbal reminder, and I will admit this. She says are you ready to order another half gallon of You Bet chocolate syrup? It's been a while. And she keeps me keeps me honest. And I keep saying, no, I've slowed down on the chocolate syrup, Alexa. I'm not ready and I'm resisting. I didn't know she could reorder it for me. So that's interesting. And with cosmetics, Birgit, on Amazon, I ordered uh, lipstick or something the other day. They automatically want to set up that subscription model. You're absolutely right. And for discontinued lipstick colors, ladies, it's a good idea to get the subscription because I know. Anyway, thank you, Birgit. Great kickoff there. We are looking for Rob Kugel next. Rob, I'm going to put you on speaker view and let's hear what your predictions are. Go ahead.
3: Okay, Bonnie, um, four predictions. Number one, everything's going to go back to normal at some point in 2021, except for what won't and that'll be a lot. So what won't is the Office of Finance stepped on a banana peel this year and against its will, it accelerated its digital transformation. So cloud-first, for example, is now the majority preference versus 55% preferring on-premises just in 2019. The ability to do rapid forecasting and planning cycles is a priority. Automating and virtualizing to close are priorities to support continuity and shorten the process. So we've seen companies using software to overhaul these processes. And, and anything that can be performed in a virtual way will be done virtually. Um, Second one, if we go to AI, uh, we've been talking about AI using machine learning for the Office of Finance for a few years now, Um, but it's coming of age, I think, in in a very real way uh, in 2021. Not the robots are taking over the department AI, uh, but a lot of little things that in total add up to a lot of efficiency and much greater effectiveness. So, embedded AI is going to be increasingly available in EOP systems to do supervisory work, to cut down on errors and manage processes. It's already in use in doing things like invoice matching and receivables, recon- reconciliations, and, and other seriously boring things that people shouldn't have to do. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to be more in use in creating predictive analytics and some prescriptive analytics in uh, business planning and forecasting tools. Nothing really whiz-bang, but substantially improving the quality of work that's performed, reducing errors, cutting the time required to perform tasks, just making things easier and better for the staff number three the annual audit now this is really boring but we're going to go from doing remote external audits to what i call the virtual audit so companies make their systems available on a restricted and read-only basis to their external auditor and this can substantially reduce the provided by client work that just takes up too much time it'll shorten the on-site time by the by the auditor and that you know is all going to cut costs and improve productivity you know, for some companies, they may even be able to cut their audit costs if they're really out of, out of line today. Um, number four, taxes. And I know this is really obscure, but it's important. In the U.S., the tax reform giveth and it taketh away. So, you know, a couple of years ago, rates were reduced, but a lot of benefits, especially for multinationals, were taken away. Corporate tax rates are now heading up regardless. So companies need to be managing the process a lot more cleverly and clearly. So I think we're going to see a lot more companies using dedicated software for tax provision and for managing their transfer pricing. And maybe I guess there's time for a fifth one. Uh, I see an end to uh, something uh, uh, since March I've called SIPS, uh, which is the Mm -hmm. sheltering in place syndrome, uh, which is what? It's Thursday. (laughs) Um, and all of that stuff. So uh, I I hope we're going to see an end to that in in 2021. And back to you.
1: Oh, from your lips. Thank you, Rob. Something you said was so interesting to me. You said enhancing the quality of work. Now, quality and work, those two words don't go together for so many people in the workforce around the world with repetitive jobs, with jobs where they push the same buttons or do the same thing or hit the same processes over and over. The idea of uh, relieving the busy work, Rob, right? And going to something where you can say, we can help you upskill. We can help you reskill. We can help you find more satisfaction in your job. You're not going to lose it you might actually learn to enjoy what you do because we'll give you new opportunities. That is uh, juxtaposed against, oh, AI is going to take over my job and it's all going to be robots, that fear factor. So that's another syndrome. I think we've been hearing for several years is automation progress will take the human out of human jobs and make us all sit back and say what we're supposed to do. So I digress, but thank you, Rob, enhancing the quality of work. I like that. And yes, Sips, I read today uh, in, one of the times that there's a new syndrome. It's not just COVID. I'll, I'll mention this briefly, not just COVID depression or fatigue now it's covid anger is why aren't they wearing a mask let's leave that one alone no politics bonnie you promised let's see who's next on our list i'm going to my list number three today molly boyle sitting there smiling so wonderfully at Blackline. <laughs> molly i'm putting you i saw you watching rob and you, he was said i'm going for a fifth and you're saying
4: what i need five <laughs> predictions molly i'm putting you on speaker view go ahead please Mm-hmm. Thanks, Bonnie, and Rob always has some some great thoughts, so we'll we'll allow him a fifth. Um, <laughs> I have a couple things here. I you may have remembered from some of my previous appearances on your show. I always like to take the optimistic approach. I'm a glass half full kind of person. Um, And I really think, you know, this year, as challenging as it's been for controllership, which is the part of the office of the CFO that I work the most with, there is a lot to be optimistic about. Um, I think Rob, you know, alluded to a couple of them there, as did Birgit. I think there's really three areas where I predict that we're going to see substantial shifts in 2021. And some of this has already started. The first is what I'm going to call time. But what I mean by that is you know this sense of urgency right accounting and finance particularly controllership it has has long been a very risk averse part of the organization we're right? we're a cost center we're a back office function as accounting professionals and so we are very focused on that time of the month that we need to close the books right we, the way we've always done it so many of us have gone through those quarter ends and those month ends where we have to respond and say i'm sorry i can't get to that right now i can't support that i'm closing the books And I think, you know, that process for a lot of companies has worked. Has it been ideal? No. Has it been modernized? Probably not. But for a lot of companies, it hasn't caused a catastrophic issue and there hasn't been a compelling event until now that creates this sense of urgency. So what I think, you know, we're going to see and we're already seeing is that this is that compelling event, right? I don't know about the rest of you, but I think the memes have been one of the best parts of this whole uh, pandemic. And I saw a great one, a, a cartoon where there was a wrecking ball coming in, you know, to the to the controller's office, basically. And it was this was like, you know, the, the wrecking ball creating the, the urgency for digital transformation. And I absolutely think that's what this this pandemic has been for us. It's been that compelling event that says the time is now. Maybe our process wasn't broken, but it failed to modernize, and now is the time to make the change. So I think that that sense of urgency is going to be there. The next one, uh, I'm going with the three Ts today. The next one is around talent, and, and Rob touched on this a bit as well, but I think the way chief accounting officers and controllers are perceived by their organization is fundamentally changing, and I think this is an opportunity for those of us in the accounting profession to position ourselves not just as the, you know, the folks who keep us out of trouble and who maintain compliance, but people who can provide valuable information that the business so desperately needs during this time. And I think, um, you know, the more we can move ourselves and our staff in the accounting organization away from those activities that, you know, we didn't go to school for, right. Those, those ticking and tying spreadsheet based activities, the more we can move away from that and focus on, you know, the value added activities and the more we can provide real time data the better off we're gonna be. We're gonna fundamentally change how we help our business. And then last is, you know, from a technology perspective, I think, again, traditionally accounting has been very spreadsheet focused, very binder driven at one point in time. And while we've seen some shift away from that, as Rob suggested, we're gonna see cloud solutions become a real enabler, um, the time to value, the implementation time, the fact that these solutions can be deployed while we're all working remotely and can can be accessed from anywhere is going to be a huge trend that I think continues in 2021. So I think all that is something to be excited about. We're seeing a lot of, you know, the companies that we work with say that they were able to, to move forward without missing much of a beat because they had solutions in place. And those companies that didn't, like I said, that, that wrecking ball was their compelling event. So um excited to see what what happens next year.
1: Thank you very much, Molly. Interesting you said that. We talk, we've been talking for most of 2020 on my game changer series, including this one, Beer getting press about companies that already dipped their toe in the water or dared to jump into the pool for digital transformation, for digitalization were able to pivot, to be nimble, to be agile, to refocus, to repurpose their business when the pandemic hit, when the world just went and we had that virtual and real wrecking ball, right? And so you're absolutely right. I, I appreciate your focus on that. Thank you very much, Molly. Great predictions. Let's see who's next. Brian Kalish. How are you, Brian? I'm going to put you in speaker view and let's go with your predictions. Brian, you're up
0: well i'm doing great welcome to everyone uh, it's great to see folks from around the world i'm here from washington dc so when bonnie uh, invited me to meet what's what the 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 question is you know what is the new new normal you know hold in store for us i mean we're currently in the new normal right that's what we've been operating for nine months but at some point in 2021 you know and especially with all the good news that we've been getting on the vaccine i think sooner rather than later we're going to pivot to the new new normal um, but it's not going to be where we were what I refer to as BC before COVID. We're going to be in a mm. different world than where we were. Um, and we certainly have learned a lot from our clients in the last nine months. So I would say, when I think where the focus is going to be, and where the predictions would be, I mean, for me, it's, you know, it's, it's focused on data analytics, it's focused on forecasting, scenario planning. And then kind of my four and five, uh, RPA, robotic process automation, and five would be uh, business communications. But just adding on to what the speakers have been talking about with automation, uh, again, there's a lot of fear about it, but I would say really the the way I look at it is that automation equals liberation. And when we, you know, know, pose it to folks as taking away the worst hour of their day to free them up to do higher IQ activities, there's a lot of buy-in. So I would say, you know, this was my four but it's coming up to one given what folks have said is that I, I was believe I'm an extreme believer in, in automation I think you know BC you know within five years everything that could be automated would be automated and I think that's just accelerated is probably within three and for the reasons is you know we've just understood that our processes have have got to change um you know when I think about it you know when we think about you know to truly survive in the new new normal organizations need you know data analytics that really you know Keep data in its, you know, in its source state. Uh, we need to incorporate tools that are relationship aware, um, and then we have to be able just to perform against billions and billions of records. And, and Bonnie knows I've used this term before. Is you know we're operating in a world of Brontobytes. That's ten to the twenty-seventh when we talk about data. And what I think is really incredible is you know Gartner's come out recently and they say about eighty percent of all data is actually dark, and ninety-three percent of unstructured data is dark. So there's a huge opportunity out there to leverage data. You know, organizations have to, you know, advance in their analytics from just simply providing descriptive and diagnostic analytics to generating, you know, really mission critical, predictive, prescriptive, and ultimately cognitive. Um, we did a recent survey um, and the practitioners we deal with, about 75% of them are still on that diagnostic diagnostic, and descriptive. So they wanna move up the curve. Um, and so there's tremendous opportunity for that. You know, the frequency, I think people have talked about the frequency of, of forecasting is definitely gonna be greater in the new, new normal than where we were BC. Uh, probably not at the cadence that we're at. Maybe we were doing something once a month BC. In some cases, it's every day. Uh, We probably don't have the people, process, and technology to handle that, so it'll ease off at some point. Uh, But we're gonna have to leverage our people, we are leverage our tools, leverage our our processes to get there. Um, And then really organizations really have to run robust um, scenario planning platforms, really to maximize the opportunities that are out there and minimize the risk. Um, Because we're just in this world that, it's it's highly uncertain. There's what we call high level of Volca, volatility, uncertainty, uh, complexity, and ambiguity. So that's really where I think the focus is. It's it's getting our people, you know, our, our people, process, technology, and cultures to operate in what I would consider will be the new, new normal.
1: Thank you, Brian Kalish. Interesting you talk about new, new normal. Uh, people were talking about the new normal, the new abnormal, I think, in the beginning, what was nine months ago, hard to believe. We've been in this world for almost better part of a year. And I gave up on using the word normal at all, Brian, and I call it the new reality. I don't think I coined it, but it's the new reality. It is what it is, as the French say, c'est ça. That's what it is. So there, there you go. Thank you, Brian Kalish. Let's turn to Daniel Satani. Daniel, welcome. Thank nice you. to see you. I'm putting you on speaker view. We are ready for your predictions. Go ahead.
5: Excellent. So my first prediction for 2021 is that the entirety of the Earth's population is going to be glad to see 2020 go. And I think <laughs> we finally have something we can all agree on, which is a good way to start. So now for something little, little more on topic, uh, and I'm going to start with a bit of a softball prediction, uh, which is this: that, that the way that we talk about AI in the context of finance and in business in general is going to take a very exciting shift in the coming year. So up to now, and we've we've heard this a bit uh, already with some of the the past speakers, that you know most of the AI-driven innovation in finance has been focused on the back office. So making tedious tasks less so, and basically streamlining what we've already been doing for decades. In 2021, that focus on enhancing what already exists is gonna start to give way to wholesale disruption to the way that we have have traditionally done things. So specifically around strategy, how we formulate strategy and how we make decisions. Uh, So why now? And the answer to that is 2020, right? Um, With all of the chaos and uncertainty of 2020, uh, early adopters, you know, people who've already started their journeys have, have become increasingly interested in harnessing the power of AI for these higher level tasks. And unfortunately, that step up the value chain from transactional to the next level has been more more than a, more of a leap than a step. So the framing of all the AI projects that that I've ever been involved in has always been the same, which is it starts off with what we need is more accuracy for something. And the reason this leap to this next higher level task for AI is is so hard is because knowledge employees aren't really known for blindly trusting technology just because it's supposed to be accurate. And there's a good reason for that. We don't want them to. So, So what do we need? So, or what do they need more specifically? And they need to know how the technology works and to better understand not just what it's predicting, but why. And once we can get comfortable with that technology, they need to be able to play with it. So they can't just be fed predictions or answers. It needs to be something that they can interact with, that they can talk to, that they can throw scenarios at and get responses back to be able to internalize, to make better decisions, to make better strategy. And so really what this comes down to is we don't need tech and they don't need tech, what they need is a collaborator. So this idea isn't new and it's it's found other homes outside of business in terms of this, this basic, uh, basic thought process. Um, But what's really changed is that businesses are now willing to start looking into this, both because of all of the chaos, but also because they've had a few years to get used to AI and to understand the technology a little better. But here's the catch, no product exists for this yet. So this leads me to my biggest prediction, and that's that we're gonna start seeing a new generation of solutions targeted for this exact use case in the latter half of 2021. And I further predict that this will grow into its own multi-billion dollar market segment in the coming years. And I would say 2023 or 2024 will be the first time we see Gartner build a new magic quadrant around this space. So it goes without saying that the first companies that first company that innovates in this space is gonna see massive growth, which is important for us to keep an eye on because I think it's a good investment opportunity. But I think more important, what we're going to start seeing is, or what we're really doing, is we're starting to go down the path of evolving in a very fundamental way, how businesses are going to work in the future. And to me, that's very exciting. So thank you, Bonnie.
1: Thank you very much, Daniel. And something what you something you said about collaborating and it's not technology brings me back to my buzz quote from the day the earth stood still right, by Clato, the Keanu Reeves character. Your problem is not technology. The problem is you, you lack the will to change or maybe the means to talk with people to make it all work while you're changing. Thank you very much, Daniel. Let's see who is next. We have J.S. Eric. J.S., I'm ready to put you on speaker view and we're ready for your predictions. There you are, go ahead.
6: Wonderful. I'd say following up Daniel's the toughest job here, but these have all been tough acts (laughs) to follow. (laughs) So I'm gonna start off with a bit of a longer term prediction, right? You've heard the stats uh, from Birgit, right? Around um, work from home, around changes in distribution channels. And I think we're gonna look back in 15 years and we're gonna say 2021 was the birth of a new generation of Chobanis. And what I mean by that is companies that get to start with a lot less investment and a lot less capital, but because there are depressed assets, right? In the case of Chobani a manufacturing plant, uh, office space, commercial space, et cetera, right? And we're going to see a number of companies take advantage uh, of certain downturns, right? To uh, build a company where they have a higher ownership stake and more control. And I'll cut a little bit of the background for my shorter term prediction, just because you've heard it so eloquently from, from the rest of the team here. But I've always approached FP&A as the science of your business, right? This is not uh, not surprising given that my background is, is in health research prior to getting into this space, right? But you, you have these three steps. You want to understand, you want to use that understanding to make predictions, and then most importantly, you want to predict so that you can intervene. You want to know when things are changing so that you can take action. And what we've seen in the last year is this haves and have-nots in terms of not only who can predict successfully, Right, but who can turn that prediction into action? All right, and what you're seeing from the, the smartest businesses is this uh, recognition. There's a lot of stuff we do that doesn't actually help us in an emergency, right? And this is gonna lead to a global change in how we strategize, and it's gonna lead to the rise of the narrative forecast. And I think we already heard, you know, Brian talk about this a little bit, right? When he said scenario-based forecasting, right? But what does the whole business do when these events happen? Right, what do we do when our in-person events are closed? What would we do with our life sciences organization now that people aren't getting the preventative treatment they need? Right? But that's all kind of standard 2021 prediction stuff. So I want to jump into the more spicy impacts here. Mm -hmm. Number one, more collaboration. Right? We just saw a $27 billion acquisition of Slack, right? The collaboration software. That's not a typo. Right? And we're gonna see more collaboration, not just within our businesses, but Uh, You know, 2020 was a big show of vulnerability and, and need for action for all of us. You're going to see stronger relationships between business partners and stronger relationships with customers. The second thing, if you need to intervene, you need to be able to act quickly, which means you need to empower your team and your employees. And when you have people empowered to do their best work and to lead, that's when you really start to take advantage of your diversity. So we're going to see more diversity in thought, more diversity in background, and more diversity in, ex, in experience. And you're gonna see that at you know, the strategic and leadership levels of organizations. The third thing, you're gonna see enterprise software customers demand the breakdown of silos. If I have a best in breed uh, sales planning and best in breed supply chain, I need to run scenarios through both of them. This is not data import. This is working together and people are gonna stand up and demand it, right? And the whole point of all these processes is to spur action. And I'll take 15 seconds to do my one other, uh, my, mm-hmm. my little call to action, which is that in 2020, you know, as part of a worldwide response to take care and do the best we can through this pandemic, we've seen a big drop in your preventative health activities. So, you know, protect yourself, protect your communities, do what you can, and also make sure you're finding a way to safely get the preventative care you need to stay healthy and happy into 2021.
1: Thank you, JS. Question for you. You mentioned spicy predictions after you mentioned Chobani. And I was wondering <laughs> if Chobani is the, the yogurt company you were talking about. Could yeah. you just take 30 seconds and elaborate on it? You dropped it on us and I'm, I'm saying, yeah, well, I think. I thought maybe it was a financial <laughs> process. I had missed the, well, the acronyms. So no, no,
6: no, no. Um, Chobani, the yogurt company, right, started with a small business loan that was used to acquire a a asset, in this case, um, you know, a factory for production of consumer packaged goods. Right. And there's twofold. One, they were able to, you know, start in less debt. And then number two, leverage that increased control over the organization. Right. Uh, To, you know, provide better work experience, better customer experience because they weren't running up against debt. Right. A small business loan is generally not to buy a factory, but because there was a depressed asset, that opportunity was
1: seized. Thank you very much. I just wanted to elaborate. I was (laughs) thinking, I miss, what does C stand for? What does H stand for? What does O stand for? So thank you. I try to keep my acronyms
6: to two letters. Thank you
1: very much. I appreciate that. Let's move on to Haresh Chayo. Welcome Haresh. And we're ready for your predictions. You're up. Go ahead.
7: Thank you, Bonnie. And uh, there's an advantage of going uh, later in the series, uh, because you get to elaborate on some of the predictions that are already uh, made. So um, some of the predictions that I have are quite similar to what you heard before, but I'm going to give it a slightly different um, flavor. Um, So working habits will change. Uh, We heard that again and again. Uh, but what does that do to, to the way we used to live, where we used to, we used to work? And one of the things that is going to happen is the technology to support it is going to evolve very drastically. You see the, the valuation of companies like Zoom, uh, it's valued several billion dollars, I, I last I heard was like a couple of tens of billion dollars, um, it's going to continue that path. Um, you'll also see the brick and mortar companies that allow people to come together, change the way they attract workforce. Uh, They can't just ask people to come to office and do something because now people can do it from where they are, which means they have to incentivize people um, to come to the office with innovative ways, uh, which could mean, hey, you know, I'll give you a different environment without kids roaming around where you can, you know, <laughs> work a little differently or maybe even on a, or a glass of wine so that you stimulate your, your thought process even further. So point being that these um, brick and mortar offices are going to have to uh, incentivize people to come back to work. And the third piece in this, um, you know, working, for, uh, working differently mode is going to be, as said before, workflows, notifications, and artificial intelligence. These things are going to take a lot more importance in people's lives. We already get notifications from our private um, assets, such as you, you mentioned about Alexa and, and things like that. But now people are going to have to figure out how to differentiate and prioritize notifications coming from work, from personal life, from sales companies and so on and so forth. It's just another dose of things that we need to worry about um, as we change the way we work. The second prediction is gonna be around, um, as uh, Birgit said, um, everything is going to be available as a service. And I think that is going to be um, true. Um, But let's take a slightly different angle on this. Uh, What are finance organizations going to have to worry about? What treasurers will have to worry about? Payment systems. As these subscriptions become more and more real, um, the automated payment systems are going to be even more important, which means somebody subscribes to a service, automatically the payment information has to be available. Mm -hmm. It has to start to kick in as the um, payment becomes due, which means the payment systems have to work. What if they don't work? and, And let's say, what if the credit card does not have the expiration date on it? Okay, that has an impact on Treasury because the forecast that was available, which the treasurer was feeling very happy about that they are going to predict well, now it's not going to be true. You know, what if the customer runs out of credit? The automated subscription fails because the customer cannot make payments. So the way the treasurers used to see their forecast in the older world has to transform into this new way. And I think they're going to rely more on the customer credit information, which is not going to be available only from the credit bureaus, but things like Facebook, things like Twitter, is the customer saying anything on these different sources about how well they're Mm -hmm. situated in their whatever, in whichever space they operate in. That is going to feed a data point. Now that creates additional risks in in, in the system Mm -hmm. because now you have concerns around privacy, fraud. You have concerns around somebody, you uh, you know, taking your credit limit and using it somewhere else. Um, and um, competition. So when you talk about this credit, you know, what about somebody else offering extra credit and snatching the customer away? So there's all kinds of new things that are going to come up as things move towards more subscription-based model. Um, the third prediction is um, cloud is old. I mean, everybody's harping on cloud, but well, cloud came out, what, in 10 years ago, um, in 2010 or something. Well, it's going to be the specialty cloud as treasurers and finance organizations are going to worry about how do I um, protect my data, the integrity of data from hackers, from, from these you know bad elements, they're going to have to define the boundaries around the cloud in which they operate. And which is why companies um, are going to rely on um, specialty clouds. Um, you can see some companies are already starting to talk about it. Um, one of the labels I heard in the industry is uh, industry cloud. And that is gonna have defined boundaries around the cloud space that they offer. So that's that's gonna become more real in the future. And a little funny one, I think as people work remotely more and more, they're going to have to uh, find ways to express themselves more. And my <laughs> sense is that emojis and memes are going to become integral part of our working habits, which means if a, there's a notification, probably our manager will send it with a smile or a glass of wine sort of shaking on that meme uh, just to make you happy that, hey, you did a good job. So I guess... Some of the things that we just treat in personal life are going to make its way into our work life as well. And that's my prediction.
1: Thank you very much. Very, very, very interesting. You scared me a little about the access to personal information and credit coming over uh, with looking at intention and with clues we put out on social media. I think everybody got a little bit scared with that one. As far as uh, expressing yourself, very interesting, Harsh I recently read that uh, and Birgit and Larissa, you're up next. Birgit and Larissa and Molly might identify with this. I don't. A lot of business women who were used to going to the office with their office uniform, meaning maybe. Maybe a high-end business suit, whether it's skirt suit, a dress suit, a pantsuit, purse, fancy shoes. They're dumping all of that. They're selling all of that on the secondhand market, and they're buying comfortable things with stretch waistbands. And all I have to say to them is two black dresses, keep your hair color good couple of pairs of earrings, sit down in front of Zoom, and you're just fine. And haresh, as far as personal goes, pick your background, right? Whether it's virtual, whether it's real, decide who you want to be. I tell people represent your own brand or your persona when you appear visually on social today and in video conferencing. Thank you very much, Larissa. I am summoning you, Larissa Melnichek at FBA Trends. I'm putting you on speaker view, Larissa. Let's hear your predictions. Go ahead.
8: Thank you so much, Bonnie, and so happy to see uh, everyone here. What, what a great panel and wonderful predictions, very interesting ones. Uh, of course, mine, uh, they will be a- around financial planning and analysis for FPNA. So I join you here uh, today from the UK, from outside of the US, but what I want to say that uh, the trends for FPNA, they're really global. There are a lot of them, but I've chosen only three. Uh, today, so the first one, uh, I call this scenario planning in this incredible environment of high uncertainty. So, not scenario planning, scenario management. Uh, I really like uh, the interview with CFO from um, uh, CFO from Coca Cola Company last week when he said, "It's not about scenario planning anymore; it's about scenario management." Mm. So, what does it mean uh, for us in FPNA? Uh, This incredible cone of uncertainty, which is our environment, it just changed everything in traditional management accounting uh, ways. Uh, It changed everything in the way how we plan, forecast, how we even analyze. So it's all about scenario management when we uh, place scenarios at different levels of organization top down bottom up including our strategic level and operational level. Uh, I would like to stress the importance of uh, strategic planning process so you we will see more and more FPNAs uh, to be part of this you see so um, uh, they will help uh, to uh, close the gap between strategy and execution. So this is the first one, scenario uh, management in the high uncertain uh, situation. The next one is very in- interesting. So I already mentioned to you that um, all the traditional methods of management accounting, they're changing at the moment. So we are talking about so-called extended planning and analysis. What it means, it means that FPNA is going just outside of finance area we've been observing this for some time um, now you know at least for the last three four years we saw how fpna's they play a role in operational planning and strategic planning but at the moment it uh, the the environment where we live it's uh, this incredible uh, trend will be accelerated so what it means that um in fpna trends group we call this uh, integrated uh, planning and analysis so um it means that uh, in FPNA, we really will be playing a role in every level of the organization. And the next one, um, it's about technology, human intelligence, and also about uh, the process as well. So, so quite a few of you mentioned here today uh, the role of artificial intelligence, uh, in particular in planning. Uh, we started this project around two and a half years ago to look at uh, particular case studies for FPNA, how they use artificial intelligence machine learning. And you know what it's definitely happening right now. Um, it's not so widespread, but it's happening. Uh, but what I would like to say, it's about winning formula. This is uh, artificial intelligence plus human intelligence plus process. So only combination of all of those three. Uh, They will uh, create great success for FPNAs, for decision support, for uh, decision making in this new normal. Uh, And of course, FPNA has a huge role to play there. So, as I said, there are a lot of interesting trends, and this is such a fantastic time to be in financial planning and analysis at the moment. Thank
1: you. Thank you very, very much, Larissa. Very interesting. uh, Thinking of STEM education, women in tech, somebody told me that women in tech, and I'm using that in a broad term, in Europe is still very, very much depressed. They're they're having trouble getting women in the tech field, and yet I see women who are so interesting and so invested in, as a financial term for you, and so savvy about about technology here in in our shows. And I'm I'm wondering why. So maybe that's part of the push, a trend of getting more young girls involved in, in what we all know is wonderful, wonderful brain food, I'll call it that. Kevin McCollum, you're up next. Kevin is going to be, I'm not sure he's going to show up, but he's here with his uh, SAP logo and he's got his name. And Kevin, you're up next. So we're ready for your predictions. Go ahead.
9: All right. Thanks, Bonnie. And uh, everybody can hear me okay? Yes, we can. Great. So um, apologies that I'm not there with you in pixelated form, Um, (laughs) but I wasn't feeling well today and uh, it's not a pretty picture, but I couldn't miss this. So this is a great capstone for the year. Um, So I'm going to give a sort of a stream of consciousness prediction, which contains a few predictions in it. Um, And... Far be it for me to have the hubris to give advice to CFOs, but I'm gonna give a little advice to the CFOs, but the good ones already, I think, know the advice that I'm gonna give here. Um, I was having a conversation with my neighbor, socially distanced, of course, and he's a banker. And he said, we're just absolutely crushing it this year. Capital is so cheap and we're making loans left and right but I'm not sure that's what the future holds post pandemic for the financial services industry. And I'm not going to be want, don't want to be a downer here. I think they're just going to share the wealth a little bit. And what I'm talking about is I believe that CFOs are going to have a chance to become bankers. If you will, I come from an industry that pioneered, um, concepts around captive finance and think about it. Think about the amount of capital that tech companies have laying around today. Think about you probably all got some type of a credit card that's branded by a company, uh, competed with by a credit card that's branded by an industry like the such and such retail credit card, whatnot. I think that companies are going to start to see the advantages of having a captive finance operation. And who knows, maybe we start seeing the Netflix of the world or the leasing equipment to make their viewing experience that much better. Maybe that one's far-fetched, but I can see the Samsungs of the world start to lease high-end equipment and create massive capital flows in the market. And their CFOs are going to have to come to grips with that. Um, There's all types of challenge. I think there's all types of opportunities for CFOs to expand their scope. I look at SAP's CFO, and he owns corporate security. He owns owns compliance. So he's already got a huge scope. But I think the future is bright for bright, ambitious, hardworking CFOs. And I think just becoming... Retail bankers is just one opportunity to grow their business in a non-traditional way. So um, that's my prediction for the year. And behind that, there are all all types of tech enablers. I think blockchain is going to start to take off in the next years because I'm already seeing IOT, Internet of Things, applications for blockchain. Imagine if there was a secure way for my robots at one factory to talk to my robots robots at another factory <laughs> and optimize the manufacturing process or the uh, warehousing process simply by sharing best practices through a secure exchange medium like a blockchain. So there are so many opportunities, technology-enabled enabling uh, enabled opportunities, and I think the entry of large tech industry companies into captive finance is what a logical next step. So I'll leave it there.
1: Kevin McCollum, thank you, and we wish you to feel better. And thank you very much. Very interesting. Robots in one factory talking to robots in another. Wow. Is that galactic communication or is that just the collaboration we were talking about? Somebody mentioned we need it's not technology, it's the will to talk to each other and get things done and get rid of the, the we have now have Get, a re- get rid of robot silos. I like that. Robot parties and robot. Comm- I, 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 we could just do a whole movie on that, but maybe they already did. Pras Chatterjee, you are rounding out our wonderful panel here. Pross, also one of the sponsors of our series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Pros, we can give you four minutes and then we're going to quickly go around the table and have everybody tell me your favorite holiday drink. Yes, we will have time. Pross, you're up. Welcome.
10: Great. Thanks so much, Bonnie, for having me. And I heard some great predictions today. But uh, the one it tells you where I am right now in the sense that the one Haresh mentioned about getting people to the office with wine, that still resonates with me. And it's still just before lunch right now. So, again, a lot of where my head is. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think um, let's get the cliches out of the way. I mean, I think we hear a lot, you know, as we head into the new year, new year, new me. I think for those of us in finance, it's new year, new we that's where we're going. So some of the predictions, I think, are that you know we're going to take the lessons we've learned from 2020 and be a lot better in 2021. We're going to be agile as a finance department. Um, you know I think, Bonnie, I've spent a lot of my time talking about the fact that I spent 10 years in finance, and I probably despised every minute of it. And I despised it because I look back at the way I did things, and it was insane. And I saw the way new and Best-in-class organizations were working in 2020, and it was so much better. I remember the way I used to do planning; it was such a scheduled manner. Um, on the first, uh, the fourth day of the month, I do a prediction, uh, a forecast against X that we came in through a closed process, that Molly described, and um, that's all. Ha- that all has to change. Best-in-class organizations in 2020 worked so much better because they were agile and they were predicting scenarios. Because guess what? things happened in 2020 that were out of our control and we now know that in 2021 things are going to continue to happen that are out of our control as well it might not be like 2020 but it's going to be different and it shows that finance and fpna especially best in class fpna has the potential to actually make a difference by working in a relevant manner, um, you know they are able to make a prediction, make a forecast in the middle of the month, on the 27th day of the month, and they're able to look forward and not versus looking back. So those are some of the things. The other part I think it's going to change is F- FPNA is finally going to be relevant and sexy. And what I mean by that is uh, mm. there's an experience I actually had with Larissa in New York uh, two years ago. Uh, Larissa and I were at a meeting of all these FPNA uh, constituents. And one of the things that they brought up was that they were having a really hard time attracting talent to come into FPA They were using terms like ghosting, where they'd hire people and, you know, top talent from some of the top universities in the New York area wouldn't even show up. And I was stunned at this because, you know, I started my career in FPA and what they mentioned was that, uh, you know, a lot of this talent would come in, or they'd learn about their job, how it was effectively reporting or doing variance analysis, and just stating the obvious over and over again, and they weren't interested in that. And to keep young people and top talent interested, you've got to change the way you're doing things. And I think 2020 has been that catalyst for fp and to change things to be a lot more relevant, because guess what? CFOs, CEOs have come to fp and and have asked them to predict scenarios and do all those things I mentioned before, all the agile planning and scenario planning. So with that in mind, I think fp is going to be evolve. It's going to be a lot more strategic and forward-thinking, and that's going to bring in some of the best talent and top talent. And, you know, it's going to be really exciting to hear about all the technology that everybody here has, uh, you know, brought, brought together today about the RPA, about the faster close process, about the quicker variance analysis, uh, about, you know, um, Blockchain and every um, things talking to each other, and I think FPNA is going to be the linchpin of bringing all this in and making those predictions. Uh, so that's where I think it's going to be. I think that FPNA is finally going to be a lot more relevant than it was
9: before.
1: Thank you, Pras. Thank you, everyone. What impressed me, Birgit and Pras, about these wonderful people who have all been panelists on your shows during 2020, is that you all listen to each other right here, live streaming on Facebook, and we're broadcasting on Voice America Business. You all listen to each other, and you commented back and forth about what you heard. So you are collaborating, and you are the new culture, Pras, of of not just I and me and my company, but we and us, and the word we started out with, collaboration. Now we're going to collaborate. I'm going to give you each a chance. I'm just going to go across the screen in the order in which I see. I've got two minutes left to close. What's your favorite holiday drink? What's in the the still of the bathtub or the garage sink? What are you brewing? What are you buying? What's on ice? What Mm -hmm. are you going to be mixing? Rob Kugel, go. Just a quick drink. A cup of
3: kindness with a Verve clico chaser.
1: Thank you very much,
4: Molly Boyle. Unmute. There you go. Yep. I'm uh, I'm big on appearance, so I'm gonna go with any kind of bubbly or spritzer with some cranberries and a sprig of rosemary. Oh, I love that, Daniel Satani. What are you drinking?
5: So we've got something we've branded as pandemic punch, which is tequila, lime juice, and pomegranate juice.
1: Drink up, Skull, Brian Kalish.
5: Well, I've
0: got two because of what was just said. So if you're looking for tequila, the tequila that you want to look for, it's an ad. It's a client of mine. Classe Azul Ultra. You will not be disappointed. And then my supper would be bourbon, uh, Michener's uh, Celebration Sour Mash. And just to close, I think what everyone's been talking about, it's all about speed to insight at the speed of thought. So tremendous uh, panel today, everyone.
1: Thank you. Prost Chatterjee, what are you drinking?
10: I'm trying to
0: decide between an
10: Amarone or Barolo. I'll leave it at that.
1: Wonderful. J.S. Eric. Uh, I'm loving a cold morning and hot coffee outside.
7: All right. rest Chaya. A nice bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, California would très be great.
1: Très bien. <laughs> Larissa Melnichak. what are you drinking? Here in the UK, in Europe, it's all about glint wine or malt
8: wine. So wow. it's everywhere and we are uh, back uh, to meeting each other, you know, with the distance. And this is Thank about you. the
2: time. Beer gets I think everybody's already used mine because normally I'm a champagne girl and, uh, you know, the mulled wine at the Christmas markets in Germany, even though I'm staying in Palo Alto and there are some kind of pseudo Christmas markets that go on here, but obviously not this year. So I'm just going to have to do them at home. You are. Kevin McCollum, what are you drinking when you feel better?
9: I'm going to take Birgit's idea to the next level. We're making our first Feuerzangenbowle and that is a That is a German mulled wine with a burnt caramelized top on it, and we are looking forward to it. It's called Burnt Punch.
1: Talk about spicy and sexy. I want to thank you all so much for being here with me. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Thank you to my co-producer, Ryan Treasure, VP of everything at World Talk Radio. Thank you. Put your hands together for Aaron Keller, our engineer at World Talk Radio, engineer with the nerves of steel. He calls himself my sidekick. Here's my call to action. Remember, if somebody tells you the future is already here, I want you all to wag your finger and say, no, no, no. That was yesterday's future. Today's future didn't happen yet. And I want you to all be part of making it heck, a much better one in 2021. So be safe, be smart, be savvy, and I'll just say what's on my mind. Wear a mask and stay sane. Happy holidays, all. Bye-bye. Everybody wave.